everyone. It is my pleasure again to welcome everyone to uh, another episode of the Big Picture series of conversations uh, brought to you by Iron Pillar, where I have the privilege of speaking with uh, portfolio CEOs, industry luminaries, dear friends, and members of the Iron Pillar Network. And in that context, it is it is an honor, uh, and this is going to be a lot of fun, uh, to speak with my dear friend and somebody I've known, goodness, since the 1980s, when we were uh, <laughs> students together at MIT and in the same fraternity, uh, Jay Chakrapani, uh, who is uh, just a remarkable individual, has been deep in ed tech for decades. And um, yeah, this is going to be fun. So Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jolly. Great to, great to be here. Take me through your incredible journey, uh, decades in, in uh, ed tech and then recently transitioning to something, something brand new. But, but take me through you know, what the transitions have been over your career. I spent the last 25 years actually zigzagging between a number of different companies. You know, I'll go from large companies to startups. And you know, I, I, I started my career at Intel in technical marketing. I, I moved to New York um, to join a classmate of mine to be part of the founding team of a startup. Then I spent uh, more than 15 years and, and it, to some extent still I'm spending my time in education technology. Uh, but all the while, I think the common theme has been where I could apply. I've always been drawn to situations where I could apply technology that could make a large and positive impact to a particular industry or a particular market. And, you know, I've moved from information services, marketplace businesses, nonprofit, for-profit education, uh, but that has been the common theme. And I think where I've settled, the, the place where I've settled is really around finding industries that can be tech enabled to drive sort of excellence in that business. And, and that's where my sweet spot is. One of the, the, the categories that is uh, near and dear to the Iron Pillar uh, partnership is indeed uh, what we call um, you know, the, the arc of employability. So it starts with education, yeah. you know, K-12, higher ed, but then it's, it's a much longer arc you know, where the definition of career itself is changing, people will have to reinvent themselves multiple times as we live longer lives. And, and at least in the US, the healthcare costs continue to go up and up. And so the retirement for most people will get pushed out further and further. And yeah. so, you know, this sort of upskilling, reskilling, unlearning, relearning aspect uh, is going to become um, part and parcel of our lives, right, going, yeah. going forward. So, uh, within that entire spectrum, if you will, given the kind of experience you've had, uh, again, between large and small companies, startups, nonprofits, et cetera, it's just prolific. Where, where do you see interesting opportunities um, you know, within that, that domain, uh, whether it's you know, US-centric, uh, I mean, take this question in any direction you'd like, whether it's in the U.S. Uh, you know context or or emerging market context, like you know like in India or other parts of you know Southeast Asia, Latin America, et cetera. So where where do you see um, opportunities uh, going forward in this in this space? We're living longer, and the world is changing, 
and requires an, uh, a continuously new set of skills to adapt to the world that's changing. And you know, one of the things we learned at Trilogy is that that the half actually a half life of a tech skill is like two and a half years. So you might learn a tech skill and then it becomes out of date after two and a half years. So mm. the fact is, is that this trend is accelerated. The other trend that I think is important is that every company is a software company now and every job requires tech skills. So even more specifically, there's a, a skill set around technical proficiency that is going to be pervasive and there's a massive gap on how you acquire those skills. So, so I think generally the world is changing. There are, you know, um, you know, climate change, environmental change, technology change, and there's a new set of skills that need to be learned, mm -hmm. um, at, along with along with the fact that people are going to be in the workforce longer and, and need ways to to quickly pathway into those skills. So I think. Those, those are, I, I think, the, 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 the two, uh, two big trends. I think the third trend really is what I'm calling educational osmosis, which is the idea that you can take knowledge and translate that into mainstream decision-making and action quickly, right? So, you know, you mm -hmm. can't wait um, until a textbook is created around an innovate, uh, ar around a new piece of knowledge, so, you know, whether it's in medicine or technology, you know, the, the, the speed at which um, uh, learning and innovation can hit mainstream needs to compress because the pace at which our, our world is changing, you need to get that knowledge into action quickly, right? So I think this, mm. there's also another macro opportunity around how do you activate knowledge um, in a scalable way. So it's it's not only the world is changing and the skills you need to operate in the world are changing, but also taking those skills and then turning them to action is a, a second area. I think the third area is that given the ubiquity of access of technology, you know, when I, John, you can, you can, uh, you and I can relate to this, that our, our parents and grandparents in the 80s the phone in getting a phone line in India was a multi-year process, right? Right. And now it's like they skipped the generation, and now everybody has, uh, you know, computers in their pockets. They have uh, ubiquitous access, like access to internet. And I think, like this, along with this this idea of remote work, I think education is access to that education is both more prevalent and that that like closing that gap between education to work is becoming more accessible to anybody because now you know mm -hmm. i know i have teams in india in argentina in eastern europe that are part of my engineering team and literally there is no difference between someone in argentina on a zoom call and somebody <laughs> somebody sitting next to me in the office, right? So the fact is, is that the access to these transformational career opportunities are now there because of remote work. And now with the access to technology, the education that gets you there to these opportunities are compressing. So 
there's going to be almost a democratization of opportunity that I think is a huge third thing. The the entrepreneurs, just generally speaking, uh, what are what are the mistakes that you've seen, or what are the the nuggets of wisdom that you would like to impart? Um, and you can you can keep it again. You can keep it general, or you can keep it within the domain that you know so well. Uh, you know whether it's education or or skilling uh, or learning. Uh, let's just call it that. Yeah. Um, what what would you say? What what have you seen perhaps not work or mistakes that you would you would encourage uh, you know uh, entrepreneurs to avoid? Of course, you'll have a big vision, but the world may not be able to digest that big vision immediately. There might require behavior change. It might require you know change in environment. You know that the world's necessarily not ready for right. Mm-hmm. So the way that I think about this is. Ground, North star yourself on the big vision, but think small, right? You have to earn the right to continue to serve your customers and your stakeholders. So the what I think about is really focusing, having the big vision, but looking at the current state, the environment you have and saying, what can I focus on that small high frequency, acute pain points that I can solve today that still keeps me true to my vision, but I can solve them right away. And primarily you want to execute quickly on those small wins because those small incremental wins build you success momentum that pulls your customers and stakeholders to want to root for you. And that's where I would say that you know, potentially entrepreneurs can get uh, uh, sort of knocked off. Like they stay too religious to the big vision and they don't really focus on the small. So, Mm. you know, and I I will also say use constraints to your advantage. Like, you know, like constraints create scarcity and that scarcity forces you to focus and that focus can result in pull and desire um, that that builds you momentum. Yeah, and I'll give you an example in education. So, you know, we had this grand vision around personalized one-to-one education and personalizing a student's experience, right? Mm-hmm. But what was interesting is that you know, like professors and constructors are threatened because they're saying, you know, what's my role in in some in a machine that just personalizes it exactly for the student what's my role and what we said is okay we have this big vision but let's start from the start and we said okay what are the acute pain points that students and instructors have in, in college courses well the pain point that we picked was one you know grading homework for professors is a pain in the butt and it takes them like 2 to 3 weeks and for students by the time you get your homework graded, the feedback you get, it's two to three weeks old. You're not even thinking about that topic. Right. So mm-hmm. we said, let's solve instant feedback and automated grading. Like, let's just solve that super well. And then that's what turned from zero to a $300 million business. And by the $100 million mark, basically, it gave us the permission to start to do personalized learning. Right. So then we went into our thing, into our view, and we started personalizing it. But we provided the instructor with the ability to pace it, 
but within the within the modules, you can totally personalize it. But because we had really solved the pain point, we had the opportunity to then sort of nudge them into personalization. So, you know, it wasn't compromising the vision, but it was saying, yeah. what can we solve for you now to get the permission to serve you later? Absolutely brilliant. I mean, the uh, analogy that I use, which is sort of similar, is is a bowling pin analogy, which is, you know, you have your lead pin, which is this frequent uh, pain point, but your entire vision is to get a strike, right? To get all the 10 right. pins down. But what is that lead pin that you go to and then you get adjacencies uh, that eventually lead to the final um, you know, end result, right? And so I think that's, that's uh, incredibly well said. Uh, by you. So, wow, so I'm using you. that bullet to the That is super Go for good it. Metaphor. Go for it. <laughs> Any, anytime. You don't have to give me credit. I probably borrowed it from someone else. <laughs>